Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harvin, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for another episode of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast. It is Wednesday, it is hump day, but it's not just Wednesday, it is NFL Draft Eve. That's right, tomorrow, Thursday, is when everything goes down. I guess I should say it's when everything starts. The first round is obviously Thursday, rounds two and three are Friday, and rounds four through seven are Saturday. And before I go any further... I need to make sure that you, the listener of our podcast network, understand what's going to be happening for not just my show, but all of our shows. So on Thursday night, typically you'll hear you would hear the Steelers preview podcast with myself, Dave Schofield, and Brian Anthony Davis. You will hear us, but it won't be the Steelers preview. It'll be the NFL draft recap where we will be recapping the round one selection, whoever that may be. You'll hear that, as well as Dave Schofield, who will be giving you a breaking news podcast. Not it; It's going to be under 10 minutes in length, but giving you a general rundown of every single pick. So if you're looking at your Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, you name it. Okay, the pick was made. In about 5 to 10 minutes, you're going to see that breaking news podcast show up. And then in a little bit, you're going to see some more reaction We will give you day recaps, so day one will be myself, Brian Anthony Davis, and Dave Schofield giving you the day one recap after the round one pick. On Friday, we're going to give you the round two pick, the round three pick, and also the day two recap. We're going to have everything for you, and that's going to continue into Saturday. So if you're someone that's like, you know what, I don't have the time, maybe your work is, is causing you to be away from the television, you just want to track and see what's going on, you do have access to podcasts. Plug your earpods in, AirPods, whatever. Turn us into your car if you're traveling, and you can hear all about who the Steelers selected, what they bring to the team, and some instant reaction. It's going to be a lot of fun. And always, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. We are going to have the news immediately. We're going to have immediate reaction, the breakdown. It's all going to be in one place for you. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. A lot of people don't realize this. We have such a growing podcast network that a lot of people don't realize that we are a part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, which is a part of SB Nation, which is a part of Vox Media. That's kind of the hierarchy there. So hopefully you're ready for this upcoming weekend. It is the busiest weekend for the website in the entire calendar year, even in season. This is a busier weekend. Hope springs eternal for all fans. That's what I always say. As it pertains to the NFL draft, everyone is hopeful. The Jacksonville Jaguars with the number one overall pick are hopeful. The Detroit Lions with the number two pick and the number 32 pick are hopeful. You get where I'm going with this. So when I was thinking about this, folks, if you are listening to this podcast and you're three minutes in and you're thinking, okay, I want to hear specific players for predictions and all that stuff, I'm sorry to tell you, you're, you're listening to the wrong show. Okay, anyone that's listened to my shows for any length of time this offseason, and maybe you're new to the show, which, welcome to the Ride or Die crew. The Ride or Die crew is are my loyal listeners that never miss a show Monday, Wednesday, Friday, no matter what. That's my welcome to the Ride or Die crew. Let me introduce you to some people, which you'll hear in the second half for our mailbag segment. But let me just say something here. I, I If you want the specifics, you want the, in round one, the Steelers are going to take this player, 
go listen to the Draft Fix podcast, which came out Tuesday at noon. That's the show that you want to listen to. They went long. They almost did a full hour. That's Andrew Wilbar, Jeremy Betts. And I listened to every every second of it. It was great information. But I'm not that guy. I'm not going to pretend to be that guy. And so I'm just going to be talking about success. What does a successful Steelers draft look like? And as I always do, I kind of give you an idea as to where this is coming from in my head. Well, this stemmed from Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert having their pre-draft press conference on Monday, and I was listening back to it. I listened to Dave Schofield's Mike Tomlin press conference recap podcast, then I got home, and I listened to the actual press conference itself. I want to hear it for myself. And I was listening to Kevin Colbert, and he was talking about how he views success. Now, of course, he says, well, winning a Super Bowl. Well, no kidding. Thanks, Kevin. Like We appreciate it. But we all knew that if you have a draft class that equates to some type of success, the ultimate success in the National Football League, winning a Super Bowl, that you would deem that a success. But he would go on to talk about how the top three picks in a draft, they expect them to turn into starters. Now, this was maybe he said this before, and I don't remember it. But to me, this was eye-opening. I was like, oh, wow, okay. That's their expectation for these players that are drafted rounds one to round three. And so I started thinking, what has their track record been since I went back to when I started running behind the steel curtain.com, which is 2015? What's their track record been? Have they been successful? If that's what Kevin Colbert deems to be successful, picks one Rounds one, two, and three, the top three picks being starters. So let's go back and take a look. And we're going to kind of unfold this as we go. 2015, the first round pick was Bud Dupree. The second round pick was Senquez Golson. The third round pick was Sammy Coates, wide receiver from Auburn. Senquez Golson, cornerback out of Ole Miss. So we know Bud Dupree had success. The Steelers franchise tagged him after picking up his fifth-year option. And now he's a member of the Tennessee Titans left in free agency last season. But the rest of that, Senquez Golson, Sammy Coates, Senquez Golson didn't even play a snap, in case you forgot. Did not even play a snap for the Steelers. Sammy Coates was not, I would say, a full-time starter. So if I'm saying, is that successful? The answer is no. Bud Dupree was good, and that's fantastic. But I would say it's no. Let's go on. 2016, Artie Burns, first-round pick. Second-round pick, Sean Davis out of Maryland. Third-round pick, Javon Hargrave. Now, this is a little bit tougher to decipher. Artie Burns did play meaningful snaps, did not get a second contract, did not have his fifth-year option picked up. Sean Davis played a lot early, then he had injury troubles, did not get a second contract, came back in free agency, but did not get a second contract. Javon Hargrave played well enough that he earned himself a second contract, leaving in free agency, to the Philadelphia Eagles, where he still is playing to this day. But is this successful, according to Kevin Colbert's criteria? I'm going to still say no. Artie Burns did not pan out. Those top three, maybe you would say yes, that they all were starters, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to be a harsh critic today. Let's go to 2017. This is kind of a no-brainer, in case you don't know. First-round pick, T.J. Watt out of Wisconsin. Second-round pick, Juju Smith-Schuster out of USC. Third-round pick, James Conner out of the University of Pittsburgh. Pitt, this is a big yes. This was a great draft for the Steelers. I mean, T.J. Watt now is a defensive player of the year. 
He's earned a big contract. Juju Smith-Schuster came on like wildfire. I mean, it was just unbelievable how how when he came into the league, how good he was. Now, yeah, he's not a member of the Steelers, but that was success. James Conner was also successful. Still's dealing with injuries, but still I would say that that was a huge success when it comes to the draft. Let's go to 2018. Terrell Edmonds, still with the Steelers. James Washington in round two. Mason Rudolph in round three. I'm sorry, I can't say that this was a success. I know Edmonds is still back. I know Rudolph is still back. They're both on, Mason Rudolph's on an extension. Edmonds just signed that one-year deal. But this was not a success. James Washington never panned out as a second-round pick. Let's continue. 2019 is the year the Steelers trade their second-round pick, and they swap with the Denver Broncos to move up 10 spots to get Devin Bush. They don't have that second-round pick, but they do have two in the third. They have Deontay Johnson and Justin Lane. This is a tough one to kind of decipher, in my opinion, based on the fact that Devin Bush looked really good before the ACL injury. We're not sure how that rehab's going. Deontay Johnson coming off a Pro Bowl year. Justin Lane has not been as advertised when he was coming out of Michigan State. So I, I kind of want to get I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the Dave Schofield answer and give you the uh well it's it's not decided. I'm gonna say this is not a successful draft. When you have three picks to talk about, one in the first, two in the third, Justin Lane and Devin Bush are question marks. That's a problem. Let's go to 2020. No first round pick because of Minka Fitzpatrick trade. And so they had Chase Claypool in the second, Alex Highsmith in the third. Claypool and Highsmith have both been contributors. Good draft. 2021, I don't need to even go down this list very quickly because you know that they all contributed in some way, shape, or form. Najee Harris is a rookie in round one. Round two, Pat Fryermuth. And in round three, Kendrick Green. Now, Kendrick Green has been the whipping boy for the Steelers this past offseason and during the season. But he started a lot of games. He has a lot of experience now. How he fits into this team in the future has yet to be told. But that was a good draft when it comes to what Kevin Colbert said. That in top three picks, they want to turn them into starters. So as we continue to think about this, and we continue to try to decipher what is a successful Steelers draft. That is the title of this podcast, people. What is a successful Steelers draft? So first and foremost, I'm going to say that The top three picks are something you're going to have to look out for. Thursday and Friday, we are going to dissect those picks more than the others, and rightfully so. The expectations set forth by the Steelers organization state that that those are the players that are expected to to perform and to play at a certain level. So let's talk about expectations for all picks at all rounds. I think this is really important. You know, you you have to go back to, this was a couple shows ago. I asked this question on Twitter. And I said, how many years do you give players to kind of develop? And it was dominated by people saying either their full rookie contract or three seasons. That was what the vast majority of people that responded to that tweet said. And I agree. And so we can't jump to conclusions here. We cannot jump to conclusions and we can't, right after the draft, say, this is a grade of X, Y, or you know A through F, whatever. We can't do that based on the fact these players have never played for the Steelers yet. You can grade the selection, but you can't grade the player yet. So, for instance, in round one, let's say the Steelers have three options at pick 20. They go with a pick that you don't think is the best. You can grade that pick, meaning who they passed up, but you can't grade that player yet. The player hasn't even played a snap yet. But it all comes down to expectations. 
for every single pick, meaning not just the player, but when they were selected. These are my expectations. This is not the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin did not say this. These are Jeff Hartman's expectations for Steelers draft picks based on the round they're selected. Round one, I expect you to be a starter at some point in your rookie year. The only caveat here, the only caveat here are quarterbacks. Quarterbacks sometimes take time to develop. We know a lot about the quarterback draft class in 2022 being a developmental group, and so they might need a little bit more time. But look at last year with Najee Harris. If Najee Harris didn't start immediately but then came on, that's fine. I expect the round one player to be a starter at some point in year one, ideally right out of the gate like Najee Harris. Round two, I expect this player to be a major contributor in year one. Might not be a starter. They might not play a massive number of, of snaps, but I expect them to be a major contributor in year one. And maybe that con- contribution comes also including special teams. Let's go to round three. I expect a round three pick to be a contributor in some way. Maybe it's just on special teams. Maybe it's as, uh, you know, you think about a gadget type player. You don't want to have that player based on the fact that when the player goes on the field, it's pretty obvious what they're going to be doing. But still, think about a a running back that's kind of a change of pace guy. That would be a contributor in some way. They're not going to see the field a ton. Now, rounds four through seven, I've always said it's just, that's a hope for the best. That is a hope for the best scenario. But I do want to say that the Steelers have found a massive amount of success in the draft in those last five years. I'm sorry, from 2015 on in rounds four through seven. I mean, when you look back, I mean, here's some some names of, of rounds four through seven that you might be like, oh, wow, I forgot about that. Tyler Matakiewicz, who was a special teams captain. I don't know if he's a captain, but he's a good player. He was a seventh-round pick. You know, Joshua Dobbs, who's still in the league, was a fourth-round pick. You had um, Marcus Allen, who's still on the team, was a fifth-round selection. Jalen Samuels was also in the fifth round. He had a role with the team at one time. You look at Ulysses Gilbert the third. Isaiah Bugs uh, was a sixth-round pick. Zach Gentry, who's still with the team, was a fifth-round pick. Benny Snell Jr., still with the team with a fourth-round pick. Carlos Davis was a seventh-round pick, still with the team. Kevin Dotson, fourth-round selection. And look at last year's draft. Presley Harvin III is a starting punter. Trey Norwood, a seventh-round selection, had played a lot of snaps this year. Isaiah Loudermilk is a fifth-round pick. Buddy Johnson, and, and we're not so sure about him, but Dan Moore, starting left tackle, fourth round. The Steelers have been able to find a lot of value in those rounds four through seven, but I still take that, hey, let's hope for the best. Because the funny thing is, if I go through and read all those names that, wow, that this guy stayed with the team for X number of years, whatever, for every single one of those players that you said, hey, look at what this player did, like Jesse James is a fifth-round pick. For every Jesse James, there was a Doran Grant in the fourth round in 2015 that didn't pan out. For every Tyler Matakiewicz, there's a Travis Feeney in the sixth round of 2016 that didn't pan out. For every Joshua Dobbs, there's a Colin Holba in the sixth round of 2017 that didn't even make the team. For every Marcus Allen and Jalen Samuels, there's a Joshua Frazier who didn't make the team and didn't do anything with the team. For every UG3, 
There's a Sutton Smith that was all hyped up as a six-round pick that didn't make it. For every Carlos Davis, there's also an Antoine Brooks Jr. who only spent one year with the team. You get where I'm going with this. So, folks, when you think about success, going into this draft weekend, we all are hopeful. We all are. And we all want the best for the Steelers. We want them to pick those players that are going to make a huge impact on the team. We all want those players that are going to be the difference between winning games and winning championships. But let's also keep in mind both the Steelers' expectations, which are the top three picks being starters at some point, and our own expectations. And yours yours might be different than mine. You might say that round four, you expect those players to be a contributor early. I don't. You might, and that's fine. But before you go and bash this, the, the players, remember... You can't bash a player when they haven't played a snap for the Steelers. You just can't. People hated the Terrell Edmonds pick in 2018. But you can't hate Terrell Edmonds because of it. He didn't pick himself in the first round. And he did nothing but play significant snaps and was an Ironman for the Steelers. And still is to this day considering he just signed that one-year contract. Yes, you would like a first-round pick to maybe be a little bit more dynamic, but if you're looking for someone in a first-round pick like I did with my expectations, a starter year one, he did that. Major contributor, absolutely. So you got to think about expectations. That's what it comes down to here, folks. That is what's going to detail the success of a Steelers draft, but we also won't know this right away. Yeah, you can point to last year and say, like, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore Jr., Ulysses, I'm not, not Presley Harvin the third, Trey Norwood, I could go on. We still need to take some time. We still need to see how these things pan out. All right, so success, we'll see how that goes. Hey, my ride or die crew, you all must be really jacked up because you asked a lot of questions, and I'm going to dive head first and answer every single one of those in the mailbag segment right after this break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Fans and my ride or die crew. It is Wednesday. It is Hump Day. If we never do, we never do anything different here, folks. In case you're new to the podcast, every Wednesday in the second half of the show, I answer your questions in the mailbag segment. And if you're listening and you want to know how do I get Jeff to answer a question, it is really simple. First thing you have to do is have to have a Twitter account. I've had people say, Jeff, I joined Twitter just to do this, which is fantastic. I appreciate every single member of my ride or die crew. Second thing, you have to follow me on Twitter, at jhartman, just the letter J, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T. Follow me, and every single Tuesday, probably around noonish, I will put out the tweet that says, all right, let's get some of these questions. I always try to put a funny gift from one of my favorite movies, and then any single res- every single response I get from that tweet, I answer. So we had a lot of responses today. Let's get started. Daily Joint Co., He says, hey, Jeff, wanted to know if you believe the Steelers will try and restructure T.J. Watt's deal this season. If they did, they could add another $17 million to the cap. If you think they do this, what or who do you think it would be for? Hashtag ride or die crew. Thank you for the question. I'm going to go with something that Dave Schofield had said, and he did this in the written word on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. 
And he said that he thinks that the Steelers are basically holding some of these restructures. There's more than one player, TJ Watt's one of them, that they can restructure to create salary cap space. I think they're kind of holding that as like the last resort in certain situations. Minka Fitzpatrick's contract is going to be one of those big situations. If they're going to do this, I wouldn't be shocked if they make this move prior to Minka getting his big deal. I don't think they need to do it yet. And the one thing I don't want to see the Steelers do, and they did this a lot with Ben Roethlisberger, is just continually kick the can down the road. Yeah, you can manipulate the numbers, and that's become the salary cap game in in today's modern NFL. But I, I just don't want to see the Steelers in salary cap hell every single year. So if they don't have to restructure anyone, that's the best case in my opinion. Southside Doc, he says, describe the difference between scouting college and NFL players. When the Steelers decline to offer a second contract to a drafted players, is that a failure on scouting, development, or is that a positive case of the NFL scouting correctly determining value within the league? Hashtag ride or die crew. Hashtag let's go Bucks. That's right. The battle in Buckos are at 500. Took three of four from Chicago. I don't want to talk about the 21 to nothing loss. Not talking about that. Okay, so this is a good question. And I'm going to go back to last Wednesday, I believe, was when I had Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network. He's an NFL Draft insider. And if you go back and listen to that before the draft, that that podcast, you're not going to hear any dated information. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and check that one out. He talked about, and you mentioned the difference between scouting college and NFL players. The one difference is that college players come from scheme-driven schools. You have players like from an air raid system. Like That's just an, an easy example. Well, they could have a tremendous amount of success in that system, but that doesn't necessarily mean it can translate to the NFL. And when you have a player that has to translate their game, that becomes a developmental thing. Now, sometimes it's a player can't develop. Maybe sometimes it's that the, the organization doesn't have what it takes to develop them. We've seen organizations and teams that fail to develop certain position groups. I'll give you two examples, same position. The New England Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens cannot draft and develop wide receivers to save their lives. When you think about successful receivers from the New England Patriots in particular, very, very, very rarely were they drafted by New England. I think of Randy Moss. I think of Wes Welker. They were not drafted by New England. So sometimes it's 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 a con. It's, it's when you talk about a second contract, th- that's not a failure on scouting. Like think about Emmanuel Sanders. Let me get that's a good example. Emmanuel Sanders deserved a second contract. The Steelers gave it to someone else. He had a great great NFL career. That's not a cut on the Steelers scouting department. It's just the fact that they decided to give that contract to someone else. There's a lot to that. A lot of a lot of layers there. A lot of layers. Good question though. Paul Orlando says, okay, you're on the clock with our first pick. Who's it going to be? Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, or one of the top defensive linemen, whether that's Davis, Wyatt, or Jones. If all are available, who do you want, and who do you think the Steelers will take? All right, so if I'm picking here, if I'm picking in the first round, and it's at at pick number 20, I'm going to take between Willis, Ritter, or one of the top defensive linemen. I'm going to go with one of the defensive linemen, and I'm probably going to go with Wyatt. I think he's a good scheme fit. I trust someone like Kevin um, Kevin Smith, KT Smith, from the Here We Go Steelers podcast on Friday. He likes Wyatt. He has written a lot about him and why he thinks he's a great 
fit for the Steelers. I'm just not sold on the quarterbacks. I've said it before. I just don't think that's what they're going to do. But I, I, you asked the second question, which is okay, even though it's cheating. He says, you asked basically, who do I think the Steelers will take? If Malik Willis is there, I think he's the pick, especially at 20. And he uses hashtag ride or die crew. So thank you for the question. Hope that made sense. Believer says, what player or players that have been floated do you absolutely not want? Okay, so this is tough because I think a lot of, anytime there's, I don't know what it is. And there's a lot of, I have a lot of my listeners out there that love Kenny Pickett. I'm not a Kenny Pickett fan. I don't think Kenny Pickett is anything that special. I hate to say that about someone, but that's just being completely honest here. And there's been a lot of talk about Kenny Pickett to the Steelers. Look, if they took Kenny Pickett, like that's that's great. That's fine. Something that Andrew Wilbar said in his podcast that I think is accurate. He said, or maybe it was Jeremy Betts, one of the two, that basically what Kenny Pickett brings is basically what Mitchell Trubisky brings. So why would you waste a first-round pick on a player that you kind of already have in your system? Like If you take Malik Willis, he's going to take a couple years to develop, but he is an athletic freak. He has a huge arm. You just hope that you can develop the player. I, I just don't see it. Kenny Pickett's just not a fan. For a lot of you out there, I hope you don't turn it off right now. It's just my own opinion. We're all entitled to our own. Corey Eckenroth asks, all right, Jeff, no one else asks, so I'll do it. Thursday night, time has come. 20th pick is in. The card is in Goodell's hand. The Pittsburgh Steelers select. What player, Jeff? I just said it. I'll say it again. If Malik Willis is available, it's Malik Willis. If Malik Willis isn't available, it's tough for me to say that based on the fact that I don't know how the board has fallen. I don't know who's available. Was there a run on wide receivers? Was there a run on offensive tackles? What about defensive linemen? If if Malik Willis is available, that's who I'm going with. Cheeseball10, hey, Jeff, what is your worst-case Steelers draft for the first two days? Hashtag ride or die crew. The worst-case Steelers draft for the first two days. So that's rounds one, two, and three. I think it would be them taking a need-based approach instead of best player available approach. So that would mean that they take, okay, so in the first round, even if the cornerbacks, let's say there's a run of cornerbacks, they're like, we really want to get a corner, so we're going to take cornerback in round one, even though there's a lot of defensive line talent. Or they say, well, we really want to make sure we get a a quarterback, and so we're going to go after a quarterback, even though Willis is gone, Pickett's gone. Next thing you know, they're drafting someone like Desmond Ritter, who I don't think is worth the 20th pick. That's the, Those are some of like the worst-case scenarios. So you would just elongate that out for rounds one, two, and three. They don't just say, okay, second round, Sky Moore's available. That's the best player on our board. We're taking him. They say, well, Sky Moore's available. But, you know, we, we really want to try to approach we, – we want this offensive tackle. That's what we feel like we need some depth there, so we're going to go with offensive tackle. That's the worst-case scenario, in my opinion. MDibs24 says, was there a moment when you thought the Steelers had lost and then they pulled out the win? Larry Fitzgerald down the middle – he's talking about Super Bowl forty three is the first to come to mind for him. Now, when I thought about this, as I'm reading the question, the first game that I think about – believe it or not, is actually 1995. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Indianapolis Colts at Three River Stadium, captain comeback John uh, Jim Harbaugh, not, not Wang Harbs from Baltimore. He almost pulls off the comeback. If you were alive for that game, and if you weren't, YouTube the game and just go to the end. There's a Hail Mary at the end. There's a jump ball in the corner of the end zone. It looks like the ball, the ball does land square on the Indianapolis Colts receiver's chest and then bounces and slowly falls to the turf 
I thought the Steelers lost. And then it came back to win. And it just didn't help that 94 was the year that the Steelers were stunned by the Chargers at Three River Stadium in the AFC Championship game. But this time in 95, they were able to punch their ticket to the Super Bowl. I don't want to talk about Super Bowl 30, but M. Dibs, that's what I thought of. Tank, who has several questions here, his first one day, he said, before BTSC, did you have any draft day rituals, like gathering with friends or discussions with other fans? If I'm being honest, before BTSC, I didn't even watch. I would check after, like, okay, I would check ESPN, something like that. Who did the Steelers get? Okay, I might read a little bit about the prospects. And then I would wait until training camp, and then I would read more about what they're actually doing in camp. I've never been a big draft guy. And the reason why I'm not a big draft guy is I'm not a college football guy. I feel like college football is way too watered down. I don't like how it's basically built around the SEC. There's too many teams, too many prospects for me to keep track of. I, I just It's too much. So, no, I didn't have any rituals. I didn't have any rituals I normally wouldn't even watch. And that's blasphemous for some people, but that's just the way it was for me. All right, Justin Pinsker asks, what is the one move the Steelers could make right now no one would like? He says it could be, you know, someone drafted, free agency, bring in Urban Meyer, whatever. The one move the Steelers could make that no one would like, I think it would be drafting a quarterback that's not Willis or Pickett at 20. So I think people would be okay if you get Ritter in the second or if you get Corral or even Howe in the second or third. But if they were to take Sam Howe in the first round at pick 20, you would have fans in an uproar, in an absolute uproar. So that's what I'm going to go with. Heath Davis, he asked a couple today. He said, number one, give it to me straight. Can my boy Hayden resign? He can. Do I think he will? I don't. Two, Steelers fans are celebrating signing Edmonds, and we have brought in other players on defense too. But we still got torched by the Bengals and Chiefs last year. Are any of these moves going to change that? So I, on defense, for me, one of the questions that has yet to be answered, and I talked about this on my Monday show and had Tom Reed on, is, is Stephon Tuitt. If Stephon Tuitt comes back, now all of a sudden that defensive front is bolstered. And that's if he can come back. Is is Devin Bush healthy? Like I mean really healthy? How does Miles Jack fit into the defense? Is the secondary with Levi Wallace and Akella Witherspoon back now with a year under his belt better than the secondary they had last year? People forget Joe Hayden missed a significant portion of time last year. These are all questions that no one has an answer to right now. So are they going to be able to keep up with the Bengals or the Chiefs? A lot of answers have to be, I think they're on the right path. Let's see how the draft plays out too. Aiden Blaine asks, you've been asked a lot about what your perfect draft would look like, but I want to know what your worst possible draft would look like. So I kind of mentioned this earlier, Aiden, and I'm sure you've heard me answer it. Overdrafting a player like a quarterback, like I said, Sam Howell, Matt Corral at 20, people would be livid. That that would be the worst case scenario. I've gone on record saying I'd be fine if they didn't take a quarterback this year. I think they have to. Sadly, with the tragedy with Dwayne Haskins, but still, it's a situation where I just don't want them to reach. Britsburg Owens says, would you take the Devin Bush fifth-year option? So the Devin Bush fifth-year option, remember, in the new collective bargaining agreement, the fifth-year option is based on things like, have you made all pro? Have you made a Pro Bowl? When were you drafted? Were you a top 10 pick? 
And that's why Minka Fitzpatrick's fifth-year option is significantly more than Terrell Edmonds would have been. They were both taken in the first round. Minka Fitzpatrick was a top-ten pick. He's been an all-pro twice. He's been a pro bowler. So when you're talking about Devin Bush, top-ten pick, was drafted 10th. You're talking about no extra stuff, meaning all-pros, pro bowl, stuff like that. I'm going to say no. I'm going to. I'm not going to pick it up. I really am not. I, I'm going to basically say, Devin, I want you to show me that you can go out and get the job done. Show me you're healthy, and we'll re- we'll negotiate a contract after that year. And if he decides to move on, you have Miles Jack. He's the, he signed a two year deal, and if he goes somewhere else, Devin Bush leaves in free agency. You have Miles Jack there. You can draft an inside linebacker. Free agency is an option. So no. I'm not investing ten plus million dollars in one year into Devin Bush. Just not going to do it. All right, Tank has two more. He said, aside from moving up from twenty to seven for a quarterback, would you feel any other moves or picks would disappoint you or Steelers Nation? I think if they outside from moving up, I think it's just a matter of how they make the pick. Again, I don't grade the player because the player has yet never played. For the Steelers, what I grade are is the process. And so if I feel like their process is flawed, then I will be disappointed. And I know the Steelers will as well. Tank asked another one. If the Rooney family had not hired Mike Tomlin, do you think Bruce Arians or Ken Wisenhunt would have stayed this many seasons? That's a great question, but you're also forgetting Bruce Arians was just a wide receivers coach. I think he might have been a quarterback coach at the time. Other than Ken Wisenhunt, who did not even stay around to wait for the Steelers to make their move, he went to Arizona. It was Russ Grimm that was the front runner to win that job. And he was supposedly, according to him, I, I or sources close to him, the Steelers had kind of told him that he it was his job. Mike Tomlin goes in, wows them in the interview, and he gets the job. I don't know what to believe, but that's a good question. Would they have stayed this many seasons? The Steelers love continuity. They would have given them every chance. My question would have been, has whoever took over, say Bruce Arians, Ken Wisenhunt, would they have been to two Super Bowls? Would they have won one? That matters. Haskins QB1 says, hey, Jeff, would you be surprised if the Steelers trade back into the first round, say around picks 26 to 32, and make another selection because said player continues to drop? And what players would you trade back into the first round to take? So uh, to give you an example here, this is something that Kevin Colbert spoke about in that press conference that I really mentioned a lot in the first half of the show. And he talked about trading back. So let's say you're saying they want to go back to 26. So they're going to move from 20 to 26. According to Colbert, and I really loved how he took the time to explain this, they need to have six players on their draft board currently available that they are like, hey, we will take every single one of these guys. Six players that are all evenly rated, all evenly ranked, and if they're all still available, they'll make the trade because they know they're going to get one of them. And that's six players. And when you think about that, so if they have six players, I would be okay if they trade back, but that makes it really difficult for the Steelers to want to trade back. And Mike Tomlin says they hear all, every year they hear about possible trades, trading up, trading back, whatever. And they call teams and they ask and they, something Mike Tomlin spoke about in the press conference on Monday as well. I would be fine if the Steelers traded back to like 26 and said, let's say Willis is gone. They trade back to 26. Maybe they gain a, another second round pick and they they get a Desmond Ritter at quarterback. 
Okay, you get Ritter at 26. Now you have two second-round draft picks. Maybe that second pick is going to be either used in trade to trade up and get maybe a receiver, or maybe they stay put and take two players in the second round. There's still a ton of value in that round. I would be fine with that. And I I would be fine with the Desmond Ritter pick too. I wouldn't be fine with it at 20. You move back and get him at the tail end of, of round one, I'm fine with that. But just to give you some insight into how the Steelers think. All right, a couple more questions. Heath asks, starting with you and then adding people from BTSC until you win, how many BTSC members would it take to beat Steely McBeam in a street fight? I don't need to go anywhere beyond me. I can take him. That guy's a clown. There's a reason he's never inside Heinz Field. He gets booed wherever he goes. He only goes to training camp, and he's in the concourse area before games. When the game starts, you don't see Steely McBeam anywhere because he's a bum. He's a bum, and he has a foam I-beam that he carries around. Give me a break. All right, a couple more here. Mike Smith says, what do you make of the signing of Edmonds for only $2.5 million? Do you think the lack of commitment in term and money is more about the Steelers being ready to move on after this year or not being willing to make a long-term commitment until they extend Minka? I don't think it has anything to do with Minka. I think this is a situation where Edmonds wanted a long-term deal from someone. No one gave it to him. The Steelers said, look, come back here, play a year, you do well, and if we don't draft a safety, well, maybe we'll bring you back. If not, you should you show yourself and you go make some money somewhere else. Look at what Juju Smith-Schuster did; it's a perfect example. So he's betting on himself. He says, "I'll take a low money deal." The Steelers are just saying, "Yes, please sign right now." There you have it. Johnny Bravo says, "How would you feel if the Steelers took Pickett on Thursday, and how would he fit in the quarterback room? If they took Pickett." I'm not going to be ecstatic. I, I don't know. There's a, Again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. What's the difference between Trubisky and, and, and Pickett? Honestly, the, the, to me, there's not much of a difference. I think he'd fit in the quarterback room fine. But again, if you're going to get a, a first-round quarterback, you're going to want that quarterback to be like ready to play. So keep that in mind. And Johnny Bravo loves Shrek. I don't know why. He's hashtag ride or die crew, hashtag Shrek. There you go. I don't know. All right, and Jim D says, if you knew Deontay Johnson wanted $15 million a year, would you trade him for a late first-rounder? I would trade him in a heartbeat for a late first-rounder. Wouldn't think twice about it. Hey, Jeff, you're the GM of the Steelers. We're interested in Deontay Johnson. We're going to give you pick 32. This is Detroit. We're going to give you, we're going to give you, De- we want Deontay Johnson. We'll give you pick 32. And, uh, okay, we'll call it even, which would never happen. But let's just say that it did. I'd say, all right, um, Yes, deal, 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 deal. Deontay Johnson's off to Detroit. The Steelers get pick 32. Now they have 20, 32. They are more than equipped to fill that role left by Deontay Johnson, but a great question. Um, so yeah, there you go, folks. Ryder Dykroom, boy, did they come through. And I know you were excited because I'm excited. I am really excited for this draft. I don't know these prospects as well. I'm going to lean hard on the people that do at Behind the Steel Curtain, the people like Shannon White and, and Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts and Jeffrey Benedict and, and even Kevin Smith. And they know so much more about the game. They know so much more about the prospects. I'm going to lean on them. I'm the commentary guy, all right? I'm the commentary guy. That's why you hear me every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And speaking of which, I will be back on Friday uh, with my take on the Steelers' first-round pick. And I'm going to talk about the process who they got, should you be excited. Maybe we'll do some winners and losers, folks. Oh, I love winners and losers. Yes, maybe that's what I'll do on Friday. 
I'm excited. Hopefully you are too. In the meantime, you know how we finish it out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. Here we go.